Welcome to Longview Baptist Church. Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I am Pastor John. This ministry is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find an answer to the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. Physically able this morning, let's stand out of reverence for the reading of God's word. I was traveling to Damascus under these circumstances with authority and a commission from the chief priests. King Agrippa, while on the road at midday, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me and those traveling with me. We all fell to the ground and I heard a voice speaking to me in the Hebrew language. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goads. Then I said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. But get up, stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to anoint you as a servant and a witness of what you have seen and of what I will reveal to you. I will rescue you from the people and from the Gentiles. I now send you to them to open their eyes so that they may turn from the darkness to the light, from the power of Satan to God, that by faith in me, they may receive forgiveness of sin and a share among those who are sanctified. Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Instead, I preached to those in Damascus first and to those in Jerusalem and in all the region of Judea and to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God, and do works worthy of repentance. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple complex and were trying to kill me. To this very day, I have attained help that comes from God, and I stand and testify to both small and great, saying nothing else than what the prophets and Moses said would take place, that the Messiah must suffer, and that as the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light to our people and to the Gentiles. Father, thank you, Lord, for this privilege we have to be here today. Again, is this body of Christ. Father, I pray that your word would go forth in power. Father, today, hedge this building, these grounds with your protective angels. Purge anything or one that would not desire to bring glory and honor to you so that you're the sole focus of everything that's said and done. We commit all this to you, and we ask it in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So in verses 13 through 18, we look at the first part of the Scripture. You see Paul is now testifying. He's got King Agrippa there. He's testifying of what's happened goes back and shares the whole transformation narrative. We know what that is, so I'm just going to kind of paraphrase it. You know, he's on the road to Damascus. What happens? God knocks him down. Jesus appears to him in a blinding light. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you kicking against the goads? The people with him heard that said. Powerful picture of the transforming work of God. And the, at that point, Saul, who then the name is changed to Paul, but the first thing that I want to share with you comes out of verses 13 through 18 this morning, and it is this. Our testimony should be the conversation. Saul could have gotten up there, Paul at this point, could have gotten up there in front of King Agrippa and then began to opine, to go at great length about how he had been trained in the greatest school of the law. He could have gone in there and talked about the genealogy of his family and all these other things that would have been 
completely the wrong thing to go up there and opine about or talk at length about. Paul knew it was important. What was that? His testimony. That should be the conversation. When you or I are with someone who isn't a believer, what should, I don't know what to say. I don't know no Bible verses. Stop thinking that. Where did you get that from in the first place? That's not the platform for that. The platform is to hear what God has done in your life. That's what the world needs to hear. They want to hear that they are just like you were, they were just like I am, and what Jesus did to intervene in what you or I were, past tense. And that's what you're seeing right here. Profound and powerful the testimonies can be when we don't overcomplicate them. That's what we have this fear. We think, I don't know what I'll say. If you don't have a testimony to share, we need to talk. And if that testimony is something that you can't regurgitate, meaning you can't talk out, and by the way, you shouldn't have to type it out. You shouldn't have to do anything. You should be able to say, let me tell you, I'll never forget the time that I was broken. I realized that I was a sinner. My life was not tracking. It wasn't working. Brokenness and heartache and emptiness uh, what is it like that hymn, heartache and broken pieces, ruined lives, or why he died on Calvary? Do you not remember that? And I would assure you, if you are a genuine, regenerate follower of Jesus Christ, there was a time in your life where you realized the vast separation between you and God. And if you would say, I don't remember that, I highlight the statement, we need to talk. Because if you don't remember what it was like to be lost, I would challenge you to question how you could know what it's like to be found. That was the difference in me versus September 20th of 2004. I'd gotten saved hundreds of times, and I mean that. But I wasn't saved. I wasn't regenerate. I had prayed a prayer because I wanted fire insurance. I didn't like the thought of going to hell, but I had not recognized and understood the fact that I was separated from a holy God, that Jesus Christ had paid the price, and the vast chasm between what sin created was this place called hell, and it's the absence of every good and perfect gift, which is what God's desire for his creation was in the first place. All that did was, thinking about it, God and, and Adam dwelling fellowshipping together in the Garden of Eden. Sin, what does it do? It takes all of the good and perfect and puts it here. And we are here. So as we experience the blessings of God on this earth, even the lost do. You realize this? Air, oxygen, hope, light, blessings of the, even the, the things that we have on a normal day that are just the natural things of God's creation See, when you walk off into that chasm and you miss the bridge, which is Jesus Christ, you find out what it means when you want to bear your own sin dead and you want to live the way you want to live and you don't buy into what the preacher says or whatever it might be because you're, going to do, you're a rogue and you do things on your own. Well, God gives you free will to do that, but see, the consequence of that is sadly God giving you your desire. And not even recognizing in the fullness of that is the absence of everything good. Everything. It is complete isolation and loneliness, not what ACDC and you know, a lot of these groups think is going to be a big party down there. No, it is a horror that is unspeakable because it's absent of everything that you and I as human beings desire with no chance for redemption or no hope at all. But God 
did nothing more than, I can't even believe the beauty of God's grace and mercy and the demonstration of that in God, not me. And I guarantee you'd say the same thing. If I was God, I'd have said, all right, done. Check, oblivion, get out the big uh, Bertha in all of history and tee up earth and it's over. Yep, they got what they deserved. But no, God in his infinite love for us, uncomprehendable love for us, sent Jesus to make a way. And by the way, that bridge, I always picture a cross across that chasm. Narrow is the road that leads to life. Scripture says in Matthew chapter 7, broad is that road that leads to destruction because look at that cliff's edge. Think about it. Think about the cliff's edge where it was separated from sin. Imagine how huge that is and how easy it is broad to just walk off into an eternity falling into that hopelessness. Why? Because I want to do things on my own. I don't believe there's a, a heaven. I surely don't believe there's a hell. God wouldn't send people there. And by the way, he doesn't. You send yourself. But yet, what is it? In all of that vast space of that wide road, there is the cross. But narrow is the road that leads to life. And the scripture says only a few find it. That to me is a horrifying reality when I think about many are there that go, and then I think few. That in and of itself speaks of a distinction the same way that the parable of the soils speak of a distinction in one of those seeds producing a crop, but three not being. So this picture, as you see this right here, Paul is passionate because Paul realizes a man who was on the broad road as a God-lover, but not a Christ follower. You can't love God and hate his wife, the bride of Christ, Jesus. You can't say, I love God, but I can't stand his wife. It's not going to work. That's like saying, I don't believe in the Holy Spirit. I don't believe the Holy Spirit's real, and I can be a Christian, and I can... No, you can't deny the Holy Spirit as a Christian. Same way we can't deny Jesus Christ. You either believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit because it's not buffet and it's not desiring what you choose to pick and what you choose to believe in is wonderful. No. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one. The triune Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one in the Father God. Do I understand it fully? Nope. But it doesn't change the reality that I believe in total faith and I know the work of God and I surely understand the Spirit of God but most importantly... I know the work of the Holy Spirit because I've experienced it and I experience it on every given day. And I hope you as a follower of Christ recognize those same things, but the importance of sharing how you understood one day how God helped you see the fact that you were a sinner, helped you see this vast chasm of separation between God and us. And you understood one day that the only way to bridge that gap was what Jesus Christ did. And you realize that he was the sinless son of God conceived by the Holy Spirit. And he was sinless because why? He did not have an earthly father's DNA. And you might not even understand it all in its fullness, but you recognize that and you profess faith in that. In an unbelieving, unwavering trust in that. And what you did in understanding that and realizing that Jesus Christ became sin for you. Think about it in the personal sense. It's not like Costco. Jesus just got up there and died in bulk. No, Jesus knew us individually on the cross. He knew you because how can he pay for our sin if he did not know us? 
And that's what's so profound is the personal aspect of that. You say, well, how in the world in that amount of time could he, listen, (laughs) the power of God is limitless and the power of God in Christ is limitless. And Jesus was able to, in those hours, pay specifically for us. So the question becomes, this morning, if you're one of those that's sitting there going, man, this just went against everything I ever thought. I just, you know, I've known about God. I'm real religious and I love church and, and I've taught Sunday school or I've spoke and I've done this and that. Are you going to still sit there having now recognized that you have never truly understood what I was just conceptually talking about? And are you going to sit there and go, well, I understand it now and everything's fine? Or are you going to do what Scripture would call you to do? It would call you to stand up, step up, draw that line in the sand, place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, recognizing you are separated from God, turning to Him, and this morning becoming a follower of Jesus Christ, or is your pride going to keep you in that seat and allow you one day, as so many sadly have, to walk off lost and without hope? Because what does it say? Many will come and say, did we not cast out demons and heal the sick and raise the dead? He'll tell them plainly, depart from me. I never knew you. Religious people without a relationship with Jesus Christ are what Scripture says, lost and without hope. That is the call of the gospel. It's recognizing it's not about us, it's about Him. It's recognizing that there are profound implications in our desire sometimes to try to justify scripturally what we want to believe versus what did He talk about earlier? What truth is. There is one thing I will tell you from a man who'd been saved 50 to 100, 200, whatever times it was, it was a ton. There was a true conversion experience that happened September 20th of 2004 that's not been needed to be repeated. Why? Because I was lost, I recognized it, and beyond a shadow of a doubt, there's nothing that could convince me that what happened on September 20th of 2004 was not a genuine work of God. And I praise God for that. And I will tell you, I've had nightmares that I, one in particular when I pulled over a car in the projects one day and uh, I asked the man to get his license and he went like he was going to go for his, his wallet and he reached down to a console and I saw that and thankfully I got back and uh, I was ready to do what I had to do. And I said, sir, if you put that hand in there, I'm going to kill you. And thank the Lord after I got him out of the car and I arrested him, I'll never forget, I opened up that console and there was a pistol in there loaded with one in the chamber. And I've had nightmares about that since I was a Christian, imagining what would have happened to me that night had that man shot and killed me. I was lost, church. It didn't matter that I'd grown up in a pastor's home. It didn't matter that I'd gotten saved about 200 times before that. It didn't matter that I knew all about it, because see, I knew all about it. But I was a religious person that was lost. And see, I can say that I'm so thankful for this distinction this morning. I am a follower of Jesus Christ, a regenerate follower of Jesus Christ who by no means has it all together. Please don't get this wrong. I am just like you. I'm working out my salvation with fear and trembling, desire to be conformed greater daily into the likeness of Jesus Christ. There's going to be days that I fall flat on my face, and the same will be with you. But I'm so thankful today that I know that my name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I will never forget the day that I came to genuine saving faith in Jesus Christ. And what was so different about that compared to the other times 
is God began to change my heart. He changed my wants, but most notably was the next day that I woke up, never committed to stop drinking. I was a drinker then, and I would drink in the afternoons, and I was off that next day, and by five o'clock, I thought, huh, hadn't drank today. Well, if I want to drink, I'll drink tomorrow. I wasn't going to quit. Nobody was forcing me to. Nobody's pressuring me to. So the next day, about five o'clock, said, huh, well, if I wanted, I'll drink tomorrow. Guess what? 19th was the last day I drank because what God had done is what was compelling me to drink was an emptiness here. And I never even realized it. I just thought I liked doing it. See, what would happen was I was trying to fill an emptiness. I was trying to take a square peg and put it in a round hole. And what Jesus did is he changed my heart. He changed my heart. This is what Paul was desiring for these people he stands in front of sharing his testimony. He wanted them to experience as much as possible what he experienced on a Damascus road. And if you're a believer, you know what I'm trying to tell you. The thing is, it's so easy sometimes to, to think, well, I don't have the spiritual platform for it. I don't have this, I don't have this, I need some kind of method. The method is your story. That's what I'm getting at this morning. The same way that Paul takes and makes the method this morning is we're reading this story that happened 2,000 years ago. The method is just share what God has done in your life, in your heart. That's what the world needs to hear. This doesn't have to be some complex thing where you were dealing drugs and you were gun running and you were a, 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 a car stealer chopping cars and burning down houses and people. What in the world do people think they need that for? They don't need that. The world needs to hear, I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Because I'll have people go, you know, I don't have a testimony like so. I don't have all this stuff. Oh, you think that you got to be glorified in what you were? No, as a matter of fact, you should be ashamed. The Bible says be ashamed even mentioning the, thing, the deeds of darkness. It should be a shameful thing. It should not be something you boast in. So I don't care if you've never smoked in your life, dipped, or never dated a woman that did, <laughs> if you're a guy. You shouldn't have to have somebody, some testimony of how wretched you were in order to reach people for Christ. Matter of fact, the older you get, the less you've done, the more respect people have for you. I heard somebody share, they said, I don't have a testimony like everybody else's. I've never drank, never smoked, never done any of that stuff. And actually, I heard a room full of people say to that person, Wow, what an incredible testimony of somebody who was able to stand firm in the midst of all this other stuff. So don't think that you have to have some vile testimony in order to have a testimony. You just be what God has created you to be and let the experiences you've been through be a testimony of the re regenerative power of God. And then verses 19 and 20 says, Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient in the heavenly vision. Instead, I preached to those in Damascus first and to those in Jerusalem and all the region of Judea and to the Gentiles that they should repent, turn to God, and do works worthy of repentance. Leads the second thing I want to share with you this morning, and it's this. The Great Commission is a commandment, not a suggestion. I've mentioned that a lot. Paul was doing what he was commanded to do. We have been commanded. Commanded. All of us. The Great Commission is a commandment. 
to go out and be lighthouses. We have been called to go and make disciples, teaching them everything I've commanded you. I ask you, are you a Great Commission follower? Are you a Great Commission living Christian today? Now I know if you're a stay-at-home mom and you're somebody who's not out and doesn't get out, you can feel, I've had ladies I've talked to about that, they feel like they're not able to go out and be what, what they think Scripture calls them. I said, no, you are a minister in the home you have. It, God puts us in vast places. I'm referencing those of us that are out on any given day. Are you a great commission follower? Or are you a great omission follower? The great omission, I don't go anywhere and I don't make disciples and I don't teach them anything I've commanded you. Period. Why? Well, because that's for the pastor. Well, that's for Sunday school teachers. That's for deacons. I've heard people think that and say that. That's why in past times, even here, people believe that it was, oh, it's about bringing the person that's lost to Longview and then Brother Jonathan can lead him to Christ. And I've had to have this conversation with many and say, wait a minute, that's not biblical. Shepherds don't reproduce sheep. Sheep do. Now, I am a, also a sheep because when I go out myself, I'm sharing my testimony. I'm sharing what God has done in my life and the openings that God gives me. I gloriously, I love that. To me, it's exciting. The first time you're ever able to lead someone to saving faith in Jesus Christ, I promise you it will change your life. It will be the most incredible experience you've ever experienced because you will realize because of your obedience and being used of God, someone now is going to heaven one day. And if that doesn't get you excited, I don't know what to say to you. That's an exciting thing. But if you've not experienced that this morning, you're being robbed. You're being robbed of a grand and a glorious gift as a follower of Jesus Christ today because right now, every single one of us here in our given day are in some way or another being surrounded or at times brushing shoulders with people right now that if they died would head to hell. What are you doing to change? And if you really believe there's a heaven and a hell, do you really believe that? Because how could you not say something to someone that has the opportunity to reject or accept if you really believe there's a heaven and a real hell? Because as the atheist Gillette Penn said, how much could you hate someone not to share with them? Share what again? Share your story. It's not really... The wild thing about it is we overcomplicate. It's not that hard. Because anybody in here will share what you're, ready? Anybody in here talk about their hobbies? Here you go. Anybody in here who likes ball? To God be the glory, put me in a church and nobody likes it. Anybody in here like ball? All right, get honest. Come on. Raise your hands if you like ball. We have five, okay, we've got 12 people in the church I still don't think, I think everybody's lying this morning. Can you have a conversation with somebody about what's going on in ball? Or how about that bad play that somebody made that vilified that player because it was such a terrible play? You can talk about that, can't you? Man, I can't believe it. They're down, blah, blah, blah. The bu I don't know about the innings and all that stuff. And the, I guess that's uh, baseball. And then what do you got on the football? They have downs. I'm really, I'm telling you, I'm so inept when it comes to ball. But you can have conversations with people about it. I've heard people talk, and I just sit there and go, because I'm going, I don't know how you remember all this stuff. 
But then I'll say, hey, man, have you shared with your friend there? Because they seem like they don't know the Lord. I just had not know how to have that conversation. If Jesus has changed your life, how can you not tell them about what Jesus has done in your life? About how he took your heartache and broken pieces and transformed you. Do they matter? Do, I mean, is it, is it real to you? That's what Paul's doing right here. He's taking his passion, and he's just sharing the passion he has in the story that is the story of his life. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Church, I want to challenge you to do that. Because really right now, if you look at it, the title of the message, What the Lord Has Done For Me, the subtitle of that message is this this morning, because that's what the world needs to hear, what the Lord has done for me. What has the Lord done for you? If you'd say nothing, I'd challenge you again to step back and see, are you a truly a follower of Christ Jesus? Because if God hadn't done something for you, one of two things occurred. Either you're not a believer or God's a liar. And I'm going to be honest with you, I go with the first one, not the second, because God's not a liar. He's never lied and he never will. God's an awesome God. He's a wonder-working, a powerful, mighty, awesome God. I know we're running out of time. Listen to verses 21 through 23 and we'll finish up. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple complex and were trying to kill me. To this very day, I've obtained help that comes from God. I stand ready to testify to both small and great, saying nothing else than what the prophets and Moses said would take place, that the Messiah must suffer and that at the first to rise from the dead, he would proclaim light to our people and to the Gentiles. Leads the third and final thing this morning. It's this, shine the light of truth in the darkness. That's all the Great Commission calls us to do. Shine the light of truth in the darkness. And I call you to, to genuinely think about when I said what I said about thinking about that person next to you, can you imagine, most notably, having to watch them one day as witness, bear witness to it because God had sent you to them. Let's just say one day that we will have to bear witness to each person that God placed in our life that we shared truth with or did not. And we will have to watch them in front of the great right throne of judgment one day be cast into outer darkness. Can you imagine what you would feel like if you watched people that you knew you loved, you respected, or even didn't, knowing that that person's getting ready to hear, depart from me, because you or I felt it socially awkward to share our story and ask them. You don't even have to ask them. How about just share your story because that promotes the conversation. Can you imagine someone getting ready to hear that? Why did you, and, and when they say, well, I never heard, and God's saying, I sent them to you. Could you imagine if they were able to turn and address us? You never, imagine them, imagine the whore, them, why? Why would you not, why, why did I not matter that much to you? You said you cared about me. Why, if this is so important, why did you never tell me? Think about that. Think about a person that would have answered that call only had you or I shared the hope, but we felt that it was too socially awkward and the, you know, they, they wouldn't want to do it anyways. We make the decision for them. Church, God forbid we do that. 
because I think we're faced with those every day and I want to be a Paul. I want to be a Stephen. I want to be a Silas. I don't ever want the weight and thought of that happening to somebody in my life that I believed I loved or if nothing else said that I loved. I'd rather do it, and as Gillette Penn said, somebody's walking out in front of a bus, at some point you tackle them. I'd rather spiritually get so serious with them that it ruins my friendship with them forever. Because I would rather ruin my friendship with them and them die lost because I cared enough and wanted nothing more than them to experience the gift of salvation, the transforming work of God, than for me to continue to have a relationship with someone who is going to ultimately die lost and spend an eternity separated from God because I never said anything. Church, we have an obligation. And of any other time in history that people are more willing to hear it, it is now. Right now, people need hope like never before in our time, never before in our culture. People right now are hunger. They're hungry. They're starving for hope. I know this. I know this from even the medical industry and seeing right now the level of antidepressants and the, the level of uh, psychological intervention that people are needing. We've got psychiatric facilities within 20 miles of this place, numerous ones that are full to the max with waiting lists. Can't get all the people in there. Why? Because they're struggling. They feel hopeless. They feel lost. They feel despondent. You realize that we hold the only key that will ever give them. No doctor ever has a medication that will fix the hopelessness that the brokenness of sin binds us in until Jesus sets us free. And I pray this morning, church, that God puts a passion in all of us, that Longview Baptist Church becomes the people not only about the word, but about being obedient to the word and caring and loving our neighbors as ourselves. Because apart from that, we become the problem. Because who's going to ever share? If we're not going to be obedient to the word, how can we be an obedient church? How can we be an obedient family? How can God ever bless us if we're not willing to have those conversations with people that are, are uncomfortable at times? But it matters that much. And Paul is demonstrating for us the magnitude with which he's willing to stand up in front of basically the whole leadership of the entire nation because those people mattered that much. May God give us that passion that it mattered that much for us. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God's word has encouraged you. You feel like you've had fellowship and been at home with family. Today, if God has moved in your heart and today you would like to make him not only the savior, but the Lord of your life. First, it's important to know that we are sinners. We're born sinners. No one can bridge the gap that was separated when sin broke what God had created so beautifully. If today you know you're a sinner in need of a savior, and you know that Jesus Christ was born, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross to pay for your sin. Today, if you want to, you can trust him as your Lord and Savior. It requires you 
to pray and in faith, ask him to save you, to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you, and you wanna live for him. I pray today, if you do that, that you will reach out to us. We would love to get you connected in a church body, a church home, wherever that might be, and get discipleship around you so you can grow in this new life that you found in Christ. Read God's word. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God bless you.